Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. Today we're talking about the $100 million advertising campaign that's aimed at helping rescue Jesus' reputation from the so-called damage done by his followers. It's called He Gets Us, and it features a website, billboards in major cities, and ads that have been viewed 300 million times. The ads are everywhere. If you haven't seen them yet, you likely will soon. But does the He Gets Us campaign get Jesus? That's our question today. But first, a couple of announcements and our unshaken tips of the week. Elisa, what do you have? Well, we have our Unshaken Conference is coming up very soon. And so Natasha and I are going to be joined by Frank Turek, and that's going to happen on January 28th in Dayton, Ohio. So this will be the first of four events for this year. So we would love to see you come out if you're in the Dayton or Cincinnati area. Um, our goal is to embolden and encourage you to speak truth without fear, to love the way God loves, and to stand firm no matter the cost. You can get your tickets right now at unshakenconference.com. And last week, Natasha announced our additional dates. So we're going to be in Orange County, California on May 6th. And in November 4th, next fall, we're going to be in Nashville. And so uh, information, you can keep checking the website for updates on those. But for my tip of the week, I was just thinking about it's the new year. And a lot of people try to start some kind of a Bible reading program. And I've decided this year that I'm going to be reading through the Bible in a year. Actually, my goal is to read it through in half a year. So I'm trying to do two readings per day, one in the morning and one at night. That's just my goal. I don't know if I'll hit it, but I figure that if I try for half a year, I'll at least make the year at some point. And I know, Natasha, you put on uh, social media that you're doing kind of a deeper dive into the Gospels. So I think my tip of the week is that no matter what your plan is, if if you're choosing to read through the Bible in a year or you're doing a deep dive on a particular book or a particular topic, just to do it. You know, get up. Uh, I saw a post on Instagram, and I wish I could remember who it was from, but they said word before the world. And that has just stayed in my mind. I'll find that and put it in the show notes for you. But it was so inspiring. It's like, we're, and for me, I have to admit it's word before Wordle because I play Wordle <laughs> in the morning when I get up. I don't know if Wordle fans out there, but word before Wordle, that's my goal. And so that's the tip. Just keep going. It doesn't, you know, if you, if you miss a couple days or you don't get to read a big chunk in one day, but just a little bit, just every day, let's be in the word together. Okay. That cracks me up. I had no idea that you played Wordle because that's the last thing I do before I go to sleep at night. <laughs> I, need to do, <laughs> there you go. I need to do prayer before Wordle. <laughs> there you go. Yes. And sometimes I wonder, am I the only person still playing Wordle? So this is really comforting. Thank you for, for sharing that, Alisa. <laughs> You're not alone. This is amazing. Well, my tip of the week is when someone mocks the idea of any particular biblical miracle, for example, the virgin birth at Christmas or Noah's Ark, whatever it is, ask them this question. Do you think that's a ridiculous idea because you don't believe that miracles are ever possible or because you don't believe specifically that the miracles claimed in the Bible or this one in particular happened? Their answer to that question would require completely different responses if you're choosing to engage with them. If they don't believe that miracles are ever possible, then they're assuming beforehand that a supernatural being who could cause the miracle to happen doesn't exist. So that would be a conversation about 
the evidence for God's existence. But if they believe miracles are possible, but just that the ones in the Bible didn't happen or the one that you're talking about, then that becomes a conversation about evidence for the Bible's reliability. So remember, ask a good question to know why someone thinks biblical miracles are ridiculous before you even get involved in that kind of conversation. That's good. All right. So let's talk about this He Gets Us campaign. So for those who haven't seen one of the ads yet, here's a sample just to give you a feel for what they're like. So this one is called, How Would Jesus Be Judged Today? A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They quit their jobs, left their families, and swore allegiance to him. They roamed the hood, challenged authority, and made a lot of people uneasy. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. Law enforcement labeled them outlaws. We have to shut them down, they said. Get them off the streets. Protect our communities from these troublemakers. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. Well, I wrote a pretty detailed analysis of that campaign on my blog. There was a post I did a few weeks back called Seven Problems with the He Gets Us campaign. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes because that goes into far more depth than what we can do here. But let me just give you kind of some high-level concerns. First, I've seen a lot of Christians who have um, said things online publicly about the campaign just have the concern that Jesus is being marketed. And I want to say up front that I actually don't have a problem with marketing Jesus, so to speak. My professional background is in marketing, so this is a little bit of a soapbox issue for me. People misunderstand marketing a lot, but all marketing is is the discipline of how do you effectively get a given message to a given audience. So if you have a church website, if you give flyers out to your neighbors, inviting them to church, anytime you're telling people about Jesus in some kind of format like that, if you have a billboard outside your church, that's all marketing. And so I don't have any kind of problem with trying to effectively get a message out about Jesus. Um, I, I think that can be a really good thing. But the question is, Alisa, what's the message itself? That's mm -hmm. what we're concerned with here. If we're going to use marketing methods to get people interested in Jesus, as the campaign creators undoubtedly want to do, then we want to be really careful that we're introducing them to Jesus in not just a compelling way, but an accurate way. And that's really what my concern is. There's no doubt these ads are attention grabbing and compelling. They're really well done. They're very well produced. So people are paying attention to them, but none of that matters if it's not the right Jesus that people are becoming interested in. And honestly, if you give people the wrong idea of who Jesus is, you're actually leading people away from the truth rather than toward it. So this is a big deal. This, this is something that really matters. This is stuff that people are seeing everywhere today, and that's why we're caring to, to talk about it on this episode. The pivotal question here is not whether the campaign creators have good intentions or are right. they faithful Christians personally or anything of that nature. It's just who is this Jesus according to their presentation. So I just want to clarify up front, that's what we're talking about here. And my one sentence yeah. summary would be that this is a social justice activist Jesus. Yeah. His relevance yes, right. in this campaign pain is almost entirely, if not entirely, about relating to the marginalized of society. And they literally use hashtags on their website to make this mm -hmm. point. They use hashtags 
activists and justice everywhere on their website. So it's really clear what their focus is. And yes, on their about page, they say they want to introduce people to the Jesus of the Bible. But what you see is that it's a highly selective Jesus. This is not a Jesus who is ever said to be God himself. This is not a Jesus who is mentioned as a savior. There's no mention of who we are as humans who are sinners in need of a savior. There's there's nothing of that nature. Jesus is merely an example, an earthly, mm -hmm. very human example. And I think the greatest irony here is that this campaign is he gets us. That's what it's called. And it keeps coming back to this. But honestly, the only reason that would even matter that he gets us is if he is God. Who cares yeah. otherwise? I mean, we there are yeah. humans understand what it's like to be human. We understand that because we are human. So there's nothing special about the fact that this guy, Jesus, if he was only a human, quote unquote, gets us. It only matters and becomes meaningful if he was God himself who understands us, who loves us so much that he cared to become incarnated. So the whole idea of he gets us stripped from his actual identity of God himself takes away the entire relevance of the gospel message. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, that's the problem. And I think the clip that you played, Elisa, is um, you know so telling. It's a good example of this. You know, they say they roamed the hood and challenged authority and made a lot yeah. of people uneasy, but they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. And you you don't see this um, because this is a podcast, but it ends with the words on the screen: "Jesus was wrongly judged." And so it's really hmm. appealing to what culture wants to hear about Jesus rather than the Jesus that's presented in the Gospels. So that's yeah. that's kind of the big picture of that. Elisa, what did you take from it when you started looking at this campaign? Yeah. So I haven't done as deep of a dive as you have, but I've perused the website and I've watched a few videos and looked at it, some of the writing on the, I've got my computer open right now to kind of their about page. And it's just very interesting, the wording. I think you've nailed it. It's it's really presenting this social justice warrior Jesus. And it's interesting, even in the clip we played, how it's rebellion is actually portrayed as the good thing. Like, like look, he was rebellious just like you are, but rebellious for love. And, you know, he it was good that he challenged authority. It was good. When in reality, in the actual story, it was the religious leaders that opposed him that were in rebellion, not him, because uh, he is truth. He is the creator of the universe and he gets to make the rules. Right. And so it's just interesting. Uh, some of the wording here, it says here, it wouldn't be hard to guess that we're led by Jesus fans and followers, people who believe he was much more than just a good guy and profound teacher, that Jesus is the son of God who came to earth, died and was resurrected, then returned to heaven and is alive today. Uh, we also include many voices in our work. Here, welcoming diverse perspectives, backgrounds, and experiences to help us address the many concerns and issues we all face. And so if you skip down a little bit, it says this, that... Um, you may see religious people as often hypocritical or judgmental. Know that Jesus saw that too and didn't like it either. Instead, Jesus taught and offered radical compassion and stood up for the marginalized. Well, that sounds nice. I mean, and in many ways, he did do those things, but that wasn't his primary mission. His primary mission was to bring salvation to sinners, to reconcile sinful humanity to a holy God. And you're not going to get that message by going to this website. Now, again, like you said, I'm not saying that their motives are bad. I'm sure they're kind of doing this as an introductory, but if you don't take people 
to the next step, then they're just going to be like, oh yeah, that Jesus was a cool guy. He likes the same things I like. He's cool with whatever I think is cool and wants what I want to do. That That's the message I would go away with. And I think that I, I totally get why there would be a push for something like this, especially in the climate right now where the church seems to be so polarized into far right, far left, politicized on both ends of that spectrum. But this is not the answer. I just, it, to portray Jesus as a social justice warrior, that's not why he came. Uh, if that's why he came, he would have told his disciples and led them to overthrow the oppression of Rome. And he didn't do that. He came for uh, to point them to a different kingdom. And that's what you don't see represented here. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a really good point about the religious leaders. I want to come back to that because when I said, you know, this very much presents the Jesus that culture wants to hear about and believe in rather than the picture of Jesus that the fuller picture that the gospels actually gives I, everyone. And this is, this is one of those soapbox things for me too. Everyone wants to believe that, wow, Jesus really couldn't stand the religious leaders. And yes, absolutely. There was this battle kind of going on between Jesus and the Pharisees, but it wasn't because they were religious. And that, that's the take mm -hmm. that so many people have today. It's like, oh yeah, those bad religious people, those bad people in power, yeah. you know, the power structures are keeping Jesus down. But Jesus mm -hmm. was having these conversations and, and talking about the, um, the leaders at the time, not because they were religious and faithful in that way, but because they were self-righteous and they were hypocritical yeah. and they were missing. And the they point. had bad theology. They had bad theology. They were tithing, but they were missing the weighty matters of the law of justice and mercy when biblically defined justice, right? And so right. people today want to think that, well, I can just believe whatever it is that I want to believe and I can get on board with this Jesus who doesn't like judgment and he doesn't like the religious people who are out there. That's what the average person is going to take away from this, not that mm -hmm. Jesus was in, in some way in conflict with Pharisees over the matters of Jewish law. Like they're going right. to, because they're understanding today is very different than what the Bible is showing about that relationship. They're going to come away from this saying, yeah, yeah, religious people, they are, they are bad. Yeah, they do judge too much. Yeah, they are hypocritical. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, Yeah, Jesus, that's the, the message you get is Jesus would never, he wasn't right. judgmental. He didn't like that yeah. either when he's actually the judge of the entire exactly. universe in front of whom every single one of us will stand alone and be judged. Uh, each impartially, it says in First Peter, he will judge impartially each one according to their deeds. I mean, this is this is the Jesus that's this non-judgmental Jesus. It's just not a reality. Yeah, and that's just another way that this campaign makes him into a human. Instead of placing him as the judge, Jesus, passive voice, was wrongly judged. And so mm -hmm. once again, it's like, yeah, he gets us. He was just like us. Well, he was like us and being fully human, but he's also fully God. You know, at least I, I don't think that we're reading too much into this to think that this is not on the track that it should be to get people to actually come to a knowledge of the real Jesus, because the president of the marketing agency behind He Gets Us has explicitly said, quote, ultimately, the goal is inspiration, not recruitment or conversion. So I find mm. I find that really interesting because that's the stated goal of the campaign to inspire people. Well, inspiration is a very different kind of thing than awareness and helping people to actually become aware accurately of 
the identity of Jesus, of who he is. Mm -hmm. So when they're saying inspiration, I'm saying, yeah, I can see how these ads, if that's your goal, that's delivering on that. You're trying to inspire people that Jesus, which is this kind of revered person in society, even if Christians aren't today, but most people think highly of Jesus, you know, that Jesus got us, you know, he, he, he was wrongly judged and he was fighting the religious leaders, all this kind of stuff. And they're trying to inspire people, but if your goal is inspiration and not actual education to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus at some point, then you're going to go off track. And I think the ultimate uh, problem in the execution of this, that even if you were saying, you know, I think all the ads are fine because you're just trying to get people to a point of learning more, even if you said that, and I would disagree for all the reasons we've talked about, here's the kicker. When people become interested in learning more about Jesus, they're directed to a connect page. And according to the campaign, hundreds of churches have signed up to respond to people who fill out that connect form. So the important question is, where are those people being directed? And as far as they've indicated, there are no theological criteria or statement of faith that churches have to adhere to in order to take part. So the mm, president of the marketing agency news. says, we hope that all churches that are aligned with the He Gets Us campaign will participate. This includes multiple denominational and non-denominational church affiliations, Catholic and Protestant churches of various sizes, ethnicities, ethnicities languages, and geography. We, we know, Elisa, because we both oh, talk no. about this, yeah. that so many churches are not teaching biblical truth today. And so many. This this could end up being a springboard into progressive Christianity for a lot of people. Absolutely. And I, I don't think that that's their motive. I don't think that's their intention. I really don't. I don't think that's the intention of the He Gets Us campaign, but that is exactly what will happen. Yeah. If that's their. You're sending unsuspecting truth yeah. seekers to places that they may not hear truth. So this campaign has, has the possibility of literally leading people away from truth, not just with the message that they're giving, which is problematic enough, but on the follow-up where they're trying to take people. And they're saying like churches that are aligned, well, with such weak statements on their websites, every progressive church I know would be aligned with the words they've said on their website. So yeah, that's, that's um, definitely something to be aware of. And, you know, I, I've gotten a lot of responses from people over email and on social media since writing this article. And it's interesting because one of the biggest ones or most common ones that I've gotten is, you know, if it gets people interested in Jesus, it just can't be bad. And I think we've addressed a lot of that here, that it's actually getting people interested in the wrong Jesus potentially. But also, yes, God can work through anything. We're not saying that there's no possibility someone comes to know Jesus by seeing an ad, sure. getting interested, wanting to learn more, and maybe gets led to a biblically sound church. So anything can happen and God can work in all kinds of ways. We're not suggesting anything to the contrary. We're just saying that if you're going to spend a hundred million dollars on a campaign to mm -hmm. tell people about Jesus, tell them about the real, the real Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. the right Jesus. And that doesn't mean you have to educate people on absolutely everything in the gospels, but you want to introduce them to the full picture of Jesus from the very beginning. He is fully human and fully God and our savior. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps us get the word out. Don't forget to subscribe to the Natasha Crane podcast and the Elisa Childers podcast for more long form episodes where we go deeper into some of these types of topics. But for now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on that as Psalm 62 puts it is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. Oh,